following message was recorded at Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. I'm really excited about today's message. Uh, it's a great opportunity for us to uh, to dive into a principle that is so core and so critical for us as the church to understand where our help comes from, uh, to understand that apart from him, we can do nothing. Uh, what is what is the theme of our church this year? Dwell, right? And, uh, you know, I think it's so amazing. We uh, we started this journey through the Gospel of Luke over a year ago, right? And we are now in chapter 10, the last the last five verses of chapter 10. And here we are on Mother's Day talking about two women that are that are spoken of so often uh, as as uh, women of the faith and uh, and even their personalities and dispositions. One being one that is more um, is more of a server and more gifted in the role of task and helps. Another that is uh, super relational and understands that Jesus has something to say that can change my world and and uh, and it's and I'm desperate to be in His presence and and uh, and that comes with even a difference of opinion and and maybe even some potential conflict. You ever seen that happen in the body of Christ where or maybe it's in your marriage <laughs> where you and your husband you know are men from Mars. Um, uh, yeah, and, you know, I, I was going to kind of say that, you know, I'm sure we could be thought of as being aliens. But anyway, um, but like, you know, we're, we're different, right? We're different. We're counter. We're supposed to be. And it's supposed to, it's, it's by design, by God's design. Like we don't need redundancy within marriage. We need complementary difference that, that embraces our differences and understands that we complement each other. And if, if we work together in harmony and unity, that there is, that we're better that way. Um, and it's so true for the body of Christ that there's so much diversity in the body of Christ. And I say that, you know, just like intentionally, like we're a body and, and every organ or member is vastly different, but essential in, in so many ways. And, and we so often want everybody to be like us so that they can share our disposition. And, our, and that's why we have denominations, right? Which is such a sad thing because that's not heaven on earth. And so um, what we need to do is embrace the gifts and recognize the diversity is is beautiful and necessary, right? And and uh, and celebrate that you don't see it the way I see it, um, and maybe I need to see it more like you see it, uh, in order to really have a more comprehensive perspective and maybe God's perspective on on the on the mission that God has entrusted to us. Does that make sense? And so we come into this this moment on the heels of a journey that Jesus enters a village. We know this village to be Bethany and uh, from later understanding. But we also know this becomes the initial encounter or interaction or meeting between Martha, Mary and Jesus, which later on is spoken of as being very intimate and rich and profound, deep love and affinity amongst uh, Jesus and this family. But this is the initial meeting and, and Martha welcomes Jesus into her home. But her sister's there too. And Martha, can you imagine you're inviting kind of the, uh, the most controversial rabbi in Judaism, the, the guy that everybody's talking about, like this, he comes to town and you're like, you invite him into your home and he comes. Don't you want everything to be just, listen, I'm a pastor. I've been invited to people's houses, you know, like, man, look, it, it is, 
it's just so often we're 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 always trying to make everything you know just nice and right and and to impress or whatever the case may be but but what what does Jesus want here in this particular moment what does he want he just wants their hearts their 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 presence and probably even more importantly than their hands because it'll change why their hands do what they do how their hands do what they do all of that because he you know you know that Jesus loves you and do you know that that like he he died to to bring you close to make you his bride he died to make you his bride so that you would have this beautiful intimate relationship with him he he died to show you his love and to petition your heart to his this is not a religion. <laughs> Does that sound like a religion to you? Or a, a God that is love wanting to show you his heart and to, to pour it out into your life so that you can then go and be a part of this with him, with him, not just for him, but with him and show the world his love and mercy, his kindness and strength. So I'm going to read the passage for us so we can dive into the nuance. And there is so much here to benefit from this morning. So let me pray. Father, I just pray that you'd open our eyes wide and our hearts wider, um, that our minds would be introduced to to an inspiration and an understanding that only you can grant us, and that you would seed our hearts with truth so that it would dispel the lies and bring such rich clarity and understanding that would be embraced not to just know, but to live. Oh, that we would live, build our house upon the rock, not be deceived by being hearers only, but being doers of your precious word. Please help us in this regard. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, this uh, this latter part of Luke 10 continues as we conclude this chapter and enter into this moment uh, in Jesus' life and ministry. And it starts in verse 38 by saying this, now as they went on their way, this is Jesus and the disciples, the entourage, um, Jesus entered a village. We know this village to be Bethany later on for later on understanding. And, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving And she went up to him, being Jesus, and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Now, don't you love that this is the passage that falls, just happens to fall on Mother's Day? That it just happens to fall in the year that we're talking about dwelling. Guys, do you know that there's no such thing as coincidence or chance or luck? That we serve a sovereign God that is providential and is all of his purposes? Like, it's fantastic. So let's dig into this a little bit because there's a lot more here as it always is than meets the eye. In verse 38, we says, now that they went, uh, now as they went their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named 
Martha. So we're being introduced here to Martha, which later on, I mean, this is an intimate con- uh, relationship, welcomed him into her house. That was a good choice, right? A couple of questions. Hospitality invited him in. Hospitality invited him in. You know, we're told, Jesus says this, when you've done it unto the least of these brothers of mine, you've done it unto me. You know, we, we see in Abraham's life when you, when, you know, when you entertain strangers, maybe they're even angels or the Lord himself, you know, like in that particular context. And it's meant to be an example to us that we're supposed to be extremely hospitable as people. Like we're supposed to like invite folks in that are in need of shelter and specifically most priority wise, the body of Christ. That is, we're to care for one another at the expense, at our sacrifices. We talked about last week with the Good Samaritan. Like, it, like love costs us something. And Jesus is the ultimate Good Samaritan, right? He paid the price so that he became poor, that we might become rich. And, uh, and so hospitality is something that, that, we should, that should, should mark the Christian, right? The, 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 the follower of Christ, we should open our homes, but more importantly, we should open our hearts, right? Have you invited him in? Martha invited him in. Have, have you invited him in? And initially you're going, yeah, I invited Jesus into my life, into my heart. Like, but here's what I'm asking. Is if people were to come to your house and live in your house, would they see Jesus? in the dynamics of the home, in the way that you live and love and move and serve, in the reality of your life, which often happens in our houses. Have you invited him into that? Into the brokenness? Into the dysfunction? Anybody got dysfunction in their life? Can we be honest? Right? Have you invited him in? Because is there any dysfunction going on here between Mary and Martha? Like, I mean, that, that's just the real, right? Are we inviting Jesus or is it a stained glass masquerade? Is that your life? Right? Is it, is it you just want everybody to think that you're good, everything's okay? Is it a mask? Because that's what a hypocrite is, an actor. Or if someone came to your house, would they just see Jesus even more so? in the way that you live, the dynamics of your home, the way that, not just the artwork or the pictures or the paintings. I think that's good. Having, my conviction is I want scripture all around me in my home. But like, but, but does, it, does the, the, the life of Jesus get seen and realized? And then the question is, that's like Paul as an awesome example of this. Are we inviting people into our home as a way of inviting Jesus, you know, when you've done it on the least of these, into our home, right? Because there's a, there's a further intimacy that's found with Jesus by coming into my house. Is that true? Are you, have you invited him in? Is your home welcome to Jesus? So Luke 10:39 continues and it says and she said and she had a sister so we're being introduced to this this family obviously it's Martha's home 
So arguably there's two scenarios here. She's probably the older sister, right? Secondly, um, she's, we don't hear about a husband. We also don't even hear about her uh, 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 being a widow. So most would conclude that she, that her parents have died and left because we know they're wealthy from later understanding, right? So then the only way that Martha would have a house is if she had a a husband, because that's what a husband builds for the, right? And so most would conclude that Martha and Mary have been left an inheritance, a significant one, right? But we don't know, and that's maybe not even important. But but we do know that this is the introduction to these precious two women. Um, and it says, once introduced to Mary, this is the legacy of her life. This is the thing, this is the first thing we hear about this sweet, and I love the Marys. Don't you love the Marys? The first one at the tomb, Mary Magdalene. The mother of Mary just treasures these things in her heart. You know, and this Mary, another Mary that that just doesn't care about all the pomp and circumstance. She just wants to be with Jesus, right? And it says, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. Don't you love that? She's a dweller, right? That's what she is. She's a dweller. And uh, and she knows that this is this is the most important thing I can do right now. Not not go and even help my sister. This, this, is, this is what is most critical. And I believe that her disposition leans this way. Do you know what I'm saying? That, that some of us are, are, are task-oriented, right? Like my wife is hyper, hyper-task. I have to constantly say, honey, people are more important than projects. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, but, but that's not her fault. That's just how God made her. And she's amazing at, like, those type of things. She can multitask, and I need to be laser-focused. Like, you know, she's just fantastic at that. But it's a struggle for to, to dwell. And yet, my wife has, has grown to be an amazing Mary. And that's what has transformed her serve. And so, like... This is not to be critical of one or the other. It's just to understand there's disposition, there's wiring, there's spiritual gifting, there's just, there's paradigm that is, that is kind of, um, significantly molded, right? But, but Mary's disposition, her heart, she, she's a dweller. Now, many would look at this passage and come to this distinct moment and say, no, she's not. She's lazy and she's a slacker. Right? This woman's lazy and she's a slacker and she's leaving all the work to her sister. That's what's going on, Pastor Colin. Right? And, uh, but let's continue. And the question is asked is this, do you sit at his feet and listen? Because I've already read the whole text. We understand that Jesus actually rebukes her and says, look, what Mary's doing is, is essential, necessary, primarily necessary. And it's not going to be taken from her. What you're doing is important, but it's secondary because what she's doing is the, is the primary to influence the secondary. I'll get to that. But like, do you, do you sit at his feet and listen? And I want to sit. We're not good at that, right? We're not good at being still and knowing, right? We're not, I mean, and then what happens? Our shepherd lays us down in green pastures, right? Anybody gone through that? <laughs> I have many times, you know, still learning that lesson, right? And, and so we, we need to be still and know. That's, we're desperate for that. Are you sitting at his feet? Are you, are you sitting under his teaching on a regular basis, 
especially, you know, David said, let the, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. Jesus modeled, he said, very early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus left the house, went to a solitary place where he spent time with the Father. We are way more desperate for that. But it, it doesn't just say that she sat. It said that she listened. And this is a posture of the disciple. This is the posture of the disciple. It is a sit and listen. And I'll give you a, a passage. So if you look in Matthew 5, verses 1 and 2, it's right before Jesus starts the Beatitudes, which is the beginning of the Sermon on the Mount. It says Jesus climbed a mountain and he sat down. And his, his disciples came to him and sat down and listened. Right? And he unpacked his heart to them. Are you, are you finding time? Like, what's the challenge in May? You know, that by the time we've gotten to May now, you started with five minutes in January, is that now your morning begins with at least 25 minutes with the Lord. And look, if you've kind of, kind of fell short in that along the way and kind of missed the opportunity for a month to, 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 to bring about five more minutes with him, you know, which, which shouldn't be too challenging, right? And especially when, when, it, when it's so refreshing, um, that I challenge you today to make that adjustment in your life. Do whatever it takes. Set aside all the tasks. Like we put so much priority and pre- pre- preference on tasks over sitting with him, which Jesus says is the one and only thing that's necessary. So my question then is, what keeps you from this posture? Jesus calls a perfect posture. Busyness. Anybody? Staying up late in fruitful activities and compromising the opportunity in the morning to get up while it's still dark and spend time with him in his word and in prayer. TV, phone, technology, movies, entertainment. What is it for you that's keeping you from the being busy and anxious so that you're, you're not spending time with him. This is where life happens. This is where life resides. Jesus says, apart from me, you can do nothing. He keeps him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on him. Like this is where we're to, to, to live. What does it mean to sit at Jesus' feet? I think we need to, to think about that. Well, it's an attitude, it's a posture of humility. Okay? And James, um, James kind of uh, rebukes the rich, arrogant um, culture and says, many of you, what you do is you, uh, you invite someone of high esteem and you give them the seat of honor. And then when someone comes into your home that is of lower status, you tell them to sit at your... So I want, to understand, I want you to understand what's being said here. It's basically, when you tell someone to sit at your feet, you're saying that I'm, I'm, I'm better than you. And when you sit at someone else's feet, you're saying, you're so much better than me. I need something from you. You, you are, it's a posture of humility. It's an attitude of, uh, it's a teachable place. It's a place where you're saying, you have and I don't and I need and, and, and you can provide. And so she sat at his feet. And that's what it means to sit at his feet, listening to his word, uh, it, it's not it's not isolation. It's solitude. It's a place where we seek His heart and we listen for His still small voice. Verse forty continues. But Martha 
So we see Mary, what's going on with Mary. And then we see, but Martha was distracted with much serving. What? We'll get to that. Distracted with, who was she serving ultimately? Jesus. And it's a distraction with much of that serving. And she went up to him and said, now keep in mind, he doesn't, she doesn't call him master or teacher. She calls him Lord. Like that's, a, that's an accurate uh, you know, title to give Jesus here. And he, she says, Lord, but then her, her attitude and her, 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 her statement doesn't match up with that, that title. He's, she says, do you not care? Well, why does Jesus keep getting people saying, do you not care? Remember on the boat, he's sleeping on the cushion. Disciples wake him up and then they're like, do you not care that we live or die? Like, does he care? Right? So maybe it's our perspective that's wrong. That causes us to think that God doesn't care. You ever felt that way? That God doesn't care about what's going on in my life? And maybe it's not, that's not true because we know it isn't true. Maybe it's that we have the, we have a wrong perspective here on what we believe should be a priority. Guys, if you really dig at that, that'll change your life. We often attribute to God that God isn't here, He doesn't care. And the truth is, we're wanting Him to do something that he is not, that's not what he's up to. We, our perspective is wrong. We think it's all about doing this. And Jesus says, Martha, you, you should be here with your sister. This is the good portion. This is the better choice. This is the priority. But she concludes that the Lord doesn't care that my sister has left me to serve alone. And then I think it's just, I mean, it's so hard to read. This is, this is man telling God, this is, I mean, Martha says, tell to Jesus, tell, making demands, tell her then to help me. Do we do this to God? Like, I mean, I love that he doesn't, I don't know, I'm easily offended. I don't know about you guys. I mean, I'm trying to grow out of that, you know, where I'm not hurt by other people's response or, or whatever. But, but like, here's Jesus, I mean, he's God on the planet and this lady is, making demands of him in a disrespectful way. I mean, I don't know. He, he could easily go, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who I am? You know, like, I mean, but that's not what he does. He very carefully and sweet and tenderly says, Martha, Martha. I mean, calls her by name. It's precious. It's intimate. Sweet. Boy, isn't that humble? Isn't that an example to us? That when someone speaks in anger, frustration, makes accusations. Like, look, she did three things. She spoke to him disrespectfully, in frustration, arguably anger, and actually made a statement about his character or his intentions and says, you don't care. Do you care? Because it doesn't seem that way to me. You know, sometimes people do that to us. Or maybe we do it. Right? I, I mean, but when it's done to us, how do we respond? Look at Jesus' response. It's, it's amazing, right? Tell her then to help me. Well, the good thing is he, he, she at least describes some authority to him in her life. Can we be distracted by serving the Lord? I mean, it's distracted from what? 
from him. Guys, look, Jesus doesn't want us to do these things, these, 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 these callings. Like we're, we're saved to serve, right? I mean, Ephesians 2.10. But, but what we have to understand is like he doesn't want us to do it for him. He wants us to do it with him. It's a yoke. He wants to be out in front and he wants us to follow. But man, we're so good at getting out in front of the Lord, right? Lord, come, come on, let's, let's go do this. Come on, right? That's, I mean, we do that. And, uh, and God says, I mean, and, and I love that his pace isn't this ridiculous pace that we live at. Right? I mean, keep in step with the Spirit. We, we, we're challenged. So some of the questions I have of this particular verse, is this a reason not to serve? Of course not. That's not the point. So what is the point? Serving is not the priority. Please hear that this morning. What is the priority? Sitting at his feet as in a posture of learning and listening. So the priority ultimately is being with him. That's the priority. Do you know that everything flows out of that? Jesus said it so clearly to us. John's preached it during our dwell series. You know, apart from me, you can do nothing. You, you know, like everything comes. So like it's about just living in him, not, not straying from him. And so here's some thoughts. And, and I think this is really challenging. And this is where we come to our big idea. What are the consequences of serving without sitting? Are you with me in that, what I'm saying there? What are the consequences of serving without the priority of sitting? Critical spirit. You've been there? Bad attitude. Conflict. Troubled heart. And anxiety. And here you are serving Jesus. I'm sure that's a great witness. I'm sure people are like, oh, I want in on that. Right? Like, th- th- that's, but that's what happens. I mean... I mean, Martha's showing us, and it's like, that's not what she wants, but that's the, that's the outcome. So what are the indicators that you need to sit at his feet? I'm going to offer you some, and it's in an acronym, um, HALT. Okay, HALT means to do what? Stop. And in this case, it's not drop and roll, it's sit at Jesus' feet, okay? So you stop, and here's, here's the acronym, HUNGRY. Angry, lonely, tired, halt. Now, as Pastor Fred pointed out, like it's not when all four of those converge. That's 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 a bad that's a bad scenario. It's any of those, right? And and look, when we're hungry, and I'm not even talking about physical hunger, I'm talking about just hungry for peace, hungry for joy, hungry for contentment. You know, you you feel the hunger of your soul, don't you? I do. I feel the hunger of my spirit. I feel that. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Right? Like, but, but man, it's when we're hungry, what do we need to do? I mean, we don't need to get hangry. Right? We need to get at his feet. When you're angry, what do you need to do? Take it out on somebody? Open your mouth? By no means. Right? You need to get at his feet. When you're lonely, what do you need to be reminded of? That's what Marty told us this morning, that he will never leave us or forsake. He's with us. Right? When you're tired, what do you need? You need the Prince of Peace. You need the God of rest. 
Look, can I tell you this morning that rest is not found in, in your bed with your pillow and blanket and sheet and the proper AC going on and whatever else, right? Or, or, or Mr. Pillow or whatever it is. Like what rest is found in him. You can sleep all day and never be. He says, I want to give you rest for your soul, right? So keep that in mind. Halt. Hungry, angry, lonely, tired. Those are the indicators that tell us we need to get to Jesus' feet fast. Martha, Martha's prayer was aimed at the wrong heart. This is my observation. Martha, anytime man talks to God, it's prayer, right? Tell her, right? I'm doing all the serving. She's doing all the sitting. Tell her to come help me, right? Here's my conclusion. Martha's prayer was aimed at the wrong heart. Does it make sense? It wasn't aimed at her heart. Because whose heart was wrong? And that's, that's according to Jesus. It, look, serving's not wrong. Serving Jesus is by all means right. But if, if we do that without sitting first, we're, we're in danger of all of these false, these, these pieces that, that really don't depict his heart. So here's the big idea. Please follow. If you're writing anything down this morning, write this down, okay? Here's the big idea. The task is never more important than the teacher. The task is never more important than the teacher. And secondly, and complementary, the serving must always flow out of the sitting. That's, that's the principle that we see here. And, and, and I ask this question, why? Why? Because... We need to know the who that we're doing this for, the where we're supposed to go, the when, the why, and the how. It's all those things that we don't really understand. We might know the what, but we, we don't know all those other elements, and we need to sit and listen and wait upon the Lord so he renews our strength and, and, and puts us on the right path with the right attitude, heart, and perspective. We need to be filled up before we can go out and be poured out. So the text continues in the last two verses, but in verse 41, it says this, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, don't you love his humble like heart for her? You are anxious and troubled about many things. Anybody ever been there? Anxious and troubled about many things? My, my question is why? Why is she anxious and troubled about many things? Now, this is not on the screen, so I just want you to, to close your eyes. No, I don't want you to close your eyes. It's the context is too, you know, you're probably too tired. So, let, like, I want you to listen, right? I just want you to listen, right? I want you to pay attention and really hear this passage. This is Jesus' words. And pl- please listen. Therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink or about your body and what you will put on. Is not your life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And your heavenly father feeds them. Aren't you, are you not more precious or valuable than these? And which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his span of life? And why, and, and why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither spin nor toil, or they never toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass with the lilies, 
of the field, which today, speaking of the grass, is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, burned up, will not he much more clothe you, O you of little faith? And then for the third time, therefore do not be anxious, saying, what shall I eat and, and what shall I drink and what shall I wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. And then here's the, here's the, the, the nugget. Here's the, here's the antidote. Seek first, but seek first his kingdom or the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things that you need and worry about will be added to you. Isn't that good? Seek me first. Sit at my feet, right? I mean, that, the, the last verse of that chapter says this. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow is, will be anxious for itself. That's a guarantee. Sufficient for the day is its own trouble. Is that true? Man. And then, and then Philippians 4, 6 and 7, right? Be anxious for nothing, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your request to God and the peace of God that passes all it doesn't even make sense in the circumstances we're in. The peace of God that passes all understanding will guard, guard. We're talking about fortune, guard your heart and mind, right? It, finishes, it will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And then our last verse. And as I share this, if the worship team would come, in verse 42, it says this. And this is, guys, this is the, this is the pinnacle of what Jesus is trying to demonstrate and articulate in this moment. Please, please don't miss this. Don't get distracted. <laughs> but one thing is necessary. Do you know that in a lot of translations, it literally says only one thing is necessary. One thing, one thing is necessary. Well, that would pique my interest. What are we talking about here? One thing from God's perspective, one thing is necessary. That makes everything else unnecessary in comparison Mary has chosen the good portion. What is the good portion? Him. Him. Right? So, like, and I love, Fred pointed this out this morning, like, like portion. It's like, it's like food, right? Like, what was Martha worried about? The food, right? And Jesus is basically the bread of life. Like, what has Jesus come to do? He's come to feed them, and she's worried about feeding him. And please, please understand, we're all guilty of this. We can get all wrapped up in our task, trying to do things for Jesus. And Jesus says, no, no, I, I want to feed you. And you need to be fed before you can be an instrument of feeding. Right? So that's why one thing is necessary. It says, Mary has chosen the good portion, me, the bread of life, which will not be taken from her. So here's what I want to say this morning. Jesus' feet is always available to you. When can't you see? Uh, um, check back in a few days. Uh, you know, I got a lot of people going on here at my feet. You know, you're not going to hear that, right? Like what's, his feet are always open and available and ready to feed and nourish and speak into your circumstance. He says, like, that's some of the sweetest words that Jesus ever said, which will not be taken from her. I mean, I know he's saying, I'm not going to commission her to the kitchen. But he's saying, look, she's going to stay right here because this is the most important thing you can ever, ever do. One thing sitting in his feet, necessary. 
And then here's the thing. I love that he says, Mary has chosen, and that's not a plug for tonight's program, but like Mary has chosen the good portion. Are you choosing to spend time at his feet? That was a choice on Mary's part. And then Jesus affirms that as the priority of life, the necessity of the Christian walk. His feet is always available to you. As we close in this song, would you, would you make Jesus' feet your, 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 your pursuit, your passion, your aim, your, your, your goal? Would you, would you not walk away from, man, please don't walk away from this moment without making adjustments. To, 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 for Jesus' feet to be your constant pursuit, abiding in his presence, knowing that apart from him we can do nothing. Right? Like, I mean, we can't just listen to these wonderful things that really, you know, capture our attention and bring conviction and, and we know it's right. And then we walk out the door and we're like, what's for lunch? And we miss the opportunity to make... Make application. Do whatever it takes to make adjustments that the Holy Spirit is beckoning you to. And let me challenge you. Cut out whatever garbage and waste of time you're doing after 9 o'clock, maybe even 8 o'clock at night. And carve that, take that time and shift it to the next day and spend time at his feet. And I promise you, you'll never, ever regret it. Father, thank you that you have made your presence available, that that the veil has been torn from heaven to earth. Oh, that we would not neglect the privilege that Jesus died for is to be in your presence and to glean from your word and to be spoken of and spoken to and that you would pour out your heart to us. Oh, Lord, please let us not disregard this moment and the, the intentions, the teaching that you have for us. Help us to help us to do to live what we believe. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Fellowship St. Pete in St. Petersburg, Florida. More information about Faith Fellowship can be found at faithfellowshipstpete.org. 